infrastructure is crumbling and the problems are only getting worse. The pressure to find solutions is hot. Let's talk about why American cities have no water, no electricity, and no money to fix their infrastructure problems. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast, hosted by Chad Smelter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat. This is episode 11. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you're enjoying the content. This week is uh, our interview with Brian Jack, who's the utility superintendent for the village of Lombard, Illinois. Brian is active in the Illinois section, APWA, APWWA, I should say. Wow, got some rhymes going on this morning. Uh, Brian has vast experience in water and sewer uh, as a superintendent, started in the village of Oak Park and then uh, moved his way to the village of Lombard. Hope you enjoy the interview. It's uh, great. Brian's a great guy. I've known him for over 12 years now. Um, family guy has a lot of things going on and, and values his employees. So hope you enjoy it. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me, Brian. Thanks, Chad, for having me. Brian, how long have you been in public works? So I started in public works uh, basically when I was in my summer between my junior and senior year in high school. Uh, I worked seasonal uh, for the city of Oakbrook Terrace, the town that I grew up in. And then I uh, went away to college, came back, uh, started working for the Village of Lombard in 1997. So uh, this April coming up will be 26 years in the industry. Wow, 26 years. That's, yeah. So I, I saw, that's a long time. Uh, <laughs> I saw that you started in high school in public works? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, at work seasonal uh, for the city of Oakbrook Terrace, uh, cutting nice. grass, doing weed whacking, on, you know, special events, setting up picnics, things like that. It was, uh, it was good. It was, it was right. You know, the town I grew up in, so uh, it was right up the street. So it was, it was good. Right. Good, yeah. It was a good opportunity, uh, especially in high school. Is you know, we're trying to learn how to make money, and sure. you know, yeah. seasonal work was perfect. Yeah. For uh, I did the same thing. I grew up in a small town, and my dad ran water wastewater treatment plant. He's like, "You're coming to work for me," you know, that kind of thing. And I was, was. I didn't want to be in sewers or anything to do with wastewater <laughs> or water, but here I am now in infrastructure. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, interesting how we all come together. Um, so what, what, as you've gotten, as you've gotten more experience in public works, right. From a young age, starting working your way up, what has been some of the, the challenges of, that you faced, you know, being an employee, going up through the public works chain, so to speak, what were some of those challenges? Well, I guess the, the biggest thing, once, once I, um, when I, when I started in Lombard back in 97, I started out as a maintenance worker in the street department and, um, working, I was 24 years old at the time, 25, 24, 25. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just kind of starting out, you know, kind of getting back into the industry after being away from college, uh, from college. And uh, pretty quickly, I got promoted to crew leader. I was only only here um, about nine months uh, after I got hired. I got promoted to crew leader, uh, which was difficult because, you know, this 24-year-old kid that just starts working there beat out some guys that have been here for a while, which, you know, it's, I kind of was in the right place at the right time, had the right boss, and, you know, the stars aligned for it. So a bit, there was a big right. challenge, you know, overcoming uh, being a young, young new employee, uh, working with some of the old timers that, you know, like, what does this young punk know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, that's, uh, you work through it. And I, I think, um, I think a lot of young professionals now in the industry kind of get the same thing. Um, 
you know, they're, they're starting yeah. out and uh, they get a lot of, I, I shouldn't say a lot of, a lot of flag from old timers, but you know, they may not give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, like they should. So. Is it, is it the same way now versus when I was and you were doing it whenever you were younger, it was more of like, you're in the hole, you're the rookie, you're in you're you're, is it the same way now? Yeah, it's, it's still the same. You know, we got, uh, yeah. you know, t- typically the, the guys have a little more uh, tenure are more operators, you know, they'll operate the backhoe of the machinery and the, you know, right. young guys are down the hole, digging the holes and putting sleeves on water mains and, and things like that. Cause you know, their bodies can take it, you know, after, yeah. you know, working in this industry for 20 some years, I mean, you, you get beat down a little bit, you know, so, no doubt. you know, it's, uh, so the, you know, the, the longer tenure guys tend to, you know, do more operating than, than digging. So, but yeah, it's pretty much, it's, it's the same. It's the same. Yeah. How is it as a, a leader, you know, you, you, the challenge obviously of having older, um, more seasoned, you know, guys that have been in this, how is it when you take an, a leadership role, how is it managing them? I, I, it's gotta be tough. I, I think there's a, you know, there's a way to kind of explain it. And I'm trying to figure that out. Like, how did you overcome a lot of those obstacles? Because that's not easy. Yeah, no, it's, it's not for sure. Cause, um, the, I think the biggest thing for me is that I listened a lot to what the older guys would say. I should that's say great. Guys, yeah. You know, the, more better. No, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> They're older, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you listen to what they got to say and, and you, you make sure you don't single them out and totally discount what they, that they've done because they do, um, have a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge that, you know, that's, that's important. I mean, when, you know, the silver tsunami that comes that people have been talking about for a number of years now with everybody retiring, you know, that's a right. lot of knowledge that's going to go away and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to replace that. So, you know, being a young supervisor, you have to really listen to what, um, all your employees say and have an open mind with things. You know, you may have something in your head that you know that you want to do that may work that's different from what they've been doing for the past, you know, 25, 30 years. You know, so don't just throw that stuff out the window. I mean, you really got to take into consideration. You, and then once you start gaining, you doing that, you're going to gain respect from them and uh, and then show that, you know, it's you, you kind of do know what you're doing. And, you know, as long as you're taking their their input into it, they'll, they'll start to respect you. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point is, uh, change is hard. Mm-hmm. It, there's no way when you're set in a certain pattern of doing things day, day and day, you know, consistently every day, uh, that a younger person that's in a leadership role wants to obviously make things more efficient. I would assume I was in some of those leadership roles and I was like, okay, how can we make this better? But you got to get their buy-in. <laughs> and that's the tricky part, right? Is getting their buy-in. Do you have a lot of that now with your leadership? Is there some young guys that are in leadership roles and in, in kind of the same situation now that you were in? As far as getting buy-in from people, or yeah, because obviously, I would assume that you, your crew, you have some younger guys that are in leadership roles, and maybe some older guys. Kind of the same thing you went through. Yeah, is it kind yeah, of the same same thing? Yeah, I think. I think it's easy for me to help out um, some some of the younger guys with their in their leadership role because of kind of work, what my background is and where I came from that I yeah. that I went through it and I can kind of help them say you know this is what I did and this is what worked um, you know a lot of it you know really is like, like I said before you really need to to just gather input from what what they're saying and also 
actually do the work yourself too. Um, that was big yeah, for me. When, you, you know, when I got promoted, I, um, I didn't stop doing, I didn't stop working with them. I was out on the street. Even when I got promoted to supervisor, I was still out on the street, you know, as, as much as I could. And it got to the point where the guys, they're like, what are you doing out here? Get back in the office. You're going to hurt yourself. You know, you know, joking. <laughs> uh, but that's, you know, that builds respect too, because if they see you doing the same work that, that you're telling them to do, they're going to respect you right. for it. You know, and especially if you're giving them something new, saying, yeah. hey, look, let's try this. And you're actually doing the work, showing them what it is. They're going to see, OK, well, all right, he's this guy, this person's not you know, afraid to get their hands dirty and, and, uh, and you know, wants to work right. too. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, as, as more time goes on and I get closer to the retirement side than, you know, starting my career, it's uh, I'm enjoying the, the mentoring portion of it as well. You know, I, yeah. I'm always happy to, to talk to people and give them advice and, and that I get off from what my experiences were. Yeah, no, that's a good point is leadership, good leadership. You know, that's uh, sometimes you got to get in the trenches right. for real with the, these guys to show them that you know what you're doing, because sometimes they might doubt it and be like, oh, you, you've been sitting in an office all the time. I get it. It's, it yeah. Those conversations 100 percent happen. So I can see where you have to like prove it. Not now, but you know, back then, yeah, you know, well, you're, you're, I mean, maybe I now, I, mean, I don't know. I still enjoy, you know, getting out in the machinery and stuff. And, you know, like guys will come in, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on the loader and, and uh, load stone up for the guys. And it's just, for me, I mean, I enjoy doing that. And, you know, if you, if you yeah. don't do it for so long, you lose it. So, you know, I think everybody who's That's operating a backhoe or piece of machinery, the, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And if, if the more time away from it, you start losing your touch, you know? So, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I just, I've always enjoyed that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'm not going to stop doing it. Um, that's good. It's, uh, it, it's, that's just something I, I like, I, you know, I enjoy. So. Yeah. You still love to do that. Right. Just get out there. Yeah. yeah. Like a little kid, you know, breaks up, breaks up the bureaucracy that you have right. to deal with on a day-to-day <laughs> basis these days. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, labor, obviously, since we're already talking about labor, how are you overcoming a lot of the labor shortages now? I know that you don't have any, I mean, not that I know of turnover wise, your guys love working there. So how are you hiring now to get some yeah, spots? We, we do, up? we do have a little bit of turnover right now. Okay. Um, not necessarily in, uh, in utilities and water and sewer, but our, our street department, we've had a couple of guys that, you know, moved on to better positions or, you know, moved to a closer location where they live. Um, you know, just more convenient for the employee itself. So I mean, we've had a, a, a little bit of turnover, but, um, yeah, but the hiring process, it's, it's strange. I mean, uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago, we used to get hundreds of applications. Now I mean, yeah. we're lucky if we get 10, you know, so wow. it's, it's, it's a huge, huge difference, um, in the way yeah. that's out there. And I, you know, I'm not quite sure where, where everybody's at, but everybody's doing TikToks. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's that day and age where no one wants to work. Everyone's doing yeah. TikToking or whatever, yeah, and, I, who knows? You know, we've also, we've had some retirement as well, too. So um, we've had people move in different departments, you know, from the, <laughs> seems like a lot of the, the street guys will, um, you know, move over by us into underground utilities. Um, you know, they, you know, for something different, you know, when we have a retirement on our yeah. side, someone will move over from street. So we get a higher street, street department uh, person. So, um, but yeah, so yeah. like I said, you know, a couple of retirements and, you know, people moving on to different and better uh, positions, things like that. So, yeah, well, that's that's good. I, I I've met a bunch of your guys, and they're always very humble and 
awesome, you know, guys that I've seen, crew guys that I, I've worked with and, you know, hung out with. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's good. They they definitely love your leadership style and, and you and Sean do a great job there. And and it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, how are you handling, um, you know, a lot of the bureaucracies that are out there, you know, that that you have to deal with by trying to change, you know, get technology, for example. How are you getting uh, new technologies into Lombard? Well, the challenge is always funding. Uh, the, yeah. You know, just the way that the economy is right now, um, purchasing, you know, big ticket items for, for stuff like flow sensors and cameras and, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's difficult, you know, with, to get money for funding for it. Um, but Got it. the biggest thing that we do is that we can, we can justify the, um, the cost for it by doing cost savings by purchasing the equipment. You know, yeah. if we can show that there's a cost savings by using a piece of technology. It's a lot easier for us to, to secure the funding for it. Um, you know, but that's, I think the biggest hurdle right now is, is funding for sure. Yeah. And it seems that way, even though there's the infrastructure bill, not everybody's getting that money. And, and it's, it's very slow coming down the, down the pipe too. You know, it's, there's, yeah, there is a lot of money out there. Um, but it's, it's a very slow process to, to get it. And it's, I don't want to say it's a difficult process, but it's, it's a very involved process to fill out the paperwork and uh, make sure you're submitting the proper things. Uh, the, the low interest loans through the, through the state, you know, they definitely have their forms to, to fill out. And uh, I mean, we've, we've done a few uh, of the SRF loans, the state revolving funds from the state. Yeah. Um, you know, for a few projects and, and once, once we've got them, they've been super easy to work with and, and, uh, and manage, you know, as far as the doing all the paper for that, but it's just, it's a lot of work up front to do it, to, to, to initially get it. It's, so. it's amazing that we're still doing so much paperworking, but it is government. I get it. It's, <laughs> we haven't changed. Yeah. At least, digitally. The, at least the state doesn't yeah. have their fax machine anymore. <laughs> That's a good thing. It's moving on up, moving on up. It's, it's a good thing. It's, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, you know, that's, it's still amazing to me how much paper we use in government and, um, yeah. it, it, you know, hopefully, and it, well, it's not, hopefully it's going to happen. You know, change has to happen. Technology is yeah. happening and, and government's going to have to jump on board or, or be left behind and, and be less efficient, uh, than what they are now. So, right. I mean, it's, it could make it worse. So um, you're active in other organizations, AWWA, for example. Um, explain what you're doing with AWWA and, and, and kind of what you're doing um, with the hockey for water, water for hockey. Yeah, what no is, water, no hockey. Yeah. No water, no hockey. Right, That's yeah. it right there. You've been a big proponent of that. How's how's yeah. that all going? So, well, kind of going back uh, with the. Uh, um, I got involved with the Illinois section of AWWA, American Waterworks Association, um, a number of, almost 10 years ago. Um, got on a couple different committees, and then uh, I got nominated to be uh, a board member um, for uh, DuPage County um, back in, uh, was it 2014, 2015? Um, so I got, I got nominated. I was lucky enough to get, um, to get voted or get elected uh, as a board member. And then uh, served as that, and then uh, moved on to the executive board, which currently for this year, I'm the chair of the, of the LNI section um, nice. through, uh, through March uh, of next year at, at WaterCon is when we uh, 
do our, our transfer over and then I'll be the pastor for next year. So it's been really exciting. It's a very re- rewarding association to, to be with. Um, you can do as much as you want or as little bit as you want. There's yeah. so many like micro volunteering things that you can do. Um, you don't have to like necessarily join a full committee and, or be on the board. There's so much that you can do just to help out a little bit and get more involved. And then as, yeah. as it goes, then you can, you know, pass, you know, get on a committee or, or, you know, strive to be on the board, but it's been, uh, it's been a great a number of years and I'll be sad when it's over with, you know, after next yeah. year, cause it's, uh, it's been a big part of my life. Um, so, but you know, with that, I've been, been able to, you know, kind of start this no water, no hockey, uh, campaign, I guess what you call it. Um, if, yeah. you know, people are familiar with, uh, EWWA, there's, um, the no water, no dot, dot, dot campaign. There's a lot of things, no water, no beer is a big one. There's no yeah. water, no wine, no water, no whiskey, no, no water, no coffee, <laughs> no water, no whatever you can think of. There's, you know, that has something to do with water. Um, there's a campaign yeah. for it. So, um, I've, you know, hockey is one of my, is my favorite sport. I mean, I've been never played as a kid, but I've been playing as an adult for the past, uh, 15 years. Um, my son plays, he, he plays for Western Michigan. So it's been, nice. been a big part of my life for a while. And, uh, a couple of friends of mine who are, um, uh, we're retired Chicago police. They play on the police team and they did a bunch of charity events. So I kind of try to think, you know, what can we do to help kind of, um, promote our industry as well in, in water and well, actually total water. Cause now AWWA yeah. is total water. So we're, you know, potable water, wastewater, stormwater, water reuse, we're total water. So, um, one thing yeah. to help kind of promote our industry and what we do is I figured, you know, if I start this, you know, an only section hockey team and we can do some events some like charity events that would help promote what we do in our industry and also, you know, earn or try to raise a little bit of money for charity, um, here or there. So we started doing some charity games, uh, in 2018 was the first one we did and, uh, had a few of them and, you know, it's been, it's been going good. We played in a couple leagues, you know, we have our, uh, and it always draws interest. Our jerseys are very vibrant colors, you know, the blue and yeah. yellow and orange, and, <laughs> you know, all the AWWA colors. I've seen so them. It draws yeah. a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, uh, it draws a lot of attention and a lot of questions. Yeah. Like, what, and they, cause people don't know, it's like, what is that on your, on the, your logo? What is that? You know, so they right. start telling people about it and like, Oh wow, that's really interesting. So it's, it's been a good vehicle to, um, promote public awareness of what we do. So. Yeah, no, that's amazing. First of all, that's uh, awesome. Thank you so much for doing that because people don't understand uh, water, water shortages, issues with water, you know, how valuable of a resource it is that we pretty much take for granted. Sometimes it's like, it's at your tap. They got it every day. Don't think about it. Right. So talking about more about water, you know, a lot of cities, uh, even in Illinois here, are having issues, shortages of water, which is amazing. You know, with the lake right next door, uh, it's kind of, why would we have a water issue? But uh, what's your perspective on why we have these issues the way they are? And, and, and what's what's your insight into some of this water shortage stuff? Well, I think part of it is just the natural cycle of the environment. Um, there's, you know, the probably the biggest area of concern in the United States is the, the Southwest. Uh, you know, there, yeah. there are shortages out there. I mean, the, I was out in Vegas this past, uh, uh, September and 
uh, we took a trip out to Lake Mead and just seeing how low Lake Mead is, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible and kind of scary how low the water is out there. Yeah. You know, and then compared to when we come back to here in, in the Midwest and we got the Great Lakes, you know, the largest freshwater, you know, largest fresh groundwater supply or surface water in the entire world is right here in the Midwest. And we're, we're so lucky yeah. and we still have, you know, towns that are so close to the lake that, you know, they're, they're, and if they're on wells, they're, they're going to run out of water in the next, you know, 20 years. You know, right. know, you know the, the city of Joliet is, you know, they just, they're doing this huge infrastructure plan to get on Lake Michigan water. Right. You know, just because of the, the, the aquifer that's underneath us here that goes up all the way into, into Wisconsin and Minnesota is just not recharging as quick as the drought is, you know, so, yeah. Um, you know, water conservation is, is a huge, um, a huge uh, deal right now is water conservation. And also, you know, just water, good water stewardship is, is important, you know, because we start, yeah. you know, continue to not protect our, our groundwater and our surface water, you know, we're not going to have, you know, the supply that we have. So. Right. No, it's, it's, it's something that's, like you said, Lake Mead, for example, I've seen some of those videos and it's amazing. I, I, it's, I don't know. It's like almost gone. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be gone in no time. Yeah. So uh, that's amazing to me. What not only do we have a water shortage, but now we're talking about plastics, microplastics, things like that in our water systems. How, how do you like overcome these eventual object like issues that are going to come up with constituents in these cities and communities of why our water is contaminated. Yeah. How would you, what do you think about some of that stuff? Yeah. The, yeah. The forever chemicals, I think is what they call it. Yeah. PFAS and PFOA that's been out in the, in the news. Yeah. That's right. Those, those are, that's going to be the next biggest thing after the, the lead crisis that we have now too. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's going to come down to better treatment levels, you know, to, pull out those, you know, micro particles that are in the water. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely not smart enough to figure that out, you know, but <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, they'll, you know, there'll be people, there'll be, you know, kids that are in, in school now that are, have come up with the, you know, the technology to, to be able to filter that kind of stuff out. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it seems like every, every other day, there's something new out there that we're finding that, you know, sins of the past really are coming to fruition now. So. Yeah. I mean, everything's plastic. Yeah. Um, there's, there's nothing that's not plastic right. these days that I, I'm trying to look around. I was like, yeah, everything's pretty much plastic. Uh, yeah. do you, what do you think about reverse osmosis plants, things like that, that, that we could be using? Um, I think we had a drought in uh, Decatur at one time, uh, maybe five, 10 years ago, maybe 10 years ago now. Uh, they were thinking about recycling the wastewater, right. And, and doing those type of you know, putting water back into the system, any, you know, any kind of thought process on that? Yeah. Water, water reuse or water recycling is, I think in right. the next 10, 20 years is really going to um, become more prevalent, uh, especially out, you know, in the more um, drought stricken areas, Southwest and even down Southeast. I mean, I know um, Georgia went through a huge drought uh, a number of years ago. I know they've come back a little bit, but um, right. yeah, I mean, it's water reuse, water recycling, um, even a, a desalination plants, if, yeah. if we can figure out a way to make desalination more efficient and more cost effective, I mean, geez, I mean, our, you know, 
three quarters of the earth is covered in salt water. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's so much there. I was gonna... if, we just figure, if we just crack that code, you know, and figure that out, I mean, we'd be, you know. I, I honestly can't believe we haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. California, for one thing, the amount of money that's spent on infrastructure alone in California, and we're, you know, that goes back to like money, budget management, misappropriation of funds, things like that. When you're running into a water shortage, why aren't we investing into technology like desalination plants, you know, things like that, that can use the ocean water to make clean water. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. those are big investments we should be making uh, into those kind of tech. Um, kind of pivoting into construction and, and you know, um, when you're doing types of procurements and you're looking for vendors, things like that, what are the things that you look for when you're looking to work with certain companies uh, with the village? Yeah, well, I think I can probably speak to every everybody who works for a municipality or a government that's out there now knows how much of a pain it could be to when you're going out for pricing and quotes and bids and you know, finding the, you know, is this contractor reputable? Is he, you know, are they right. not, you know, what's, uh, we've all had head headaches. We've all had bad contractors come in. So um, if, you know, the, the easier it is for us, the, the better, you know, yeah. we spend, I know, I mean, I spent a lot of time, you know, preparing bid documents and, um, you know, you have to, you know, once, once you're advertising, you got to wait two weeks to get bids back. And then, you know, it, it could be a, a you know, a few months, you know, by the time you're preparing everything and getting out to bid and waiting for the board to approve it and, you know, yeah. signing contracts and documents, everything. Yeah, it could be a pain. So um, making that process more efficient, I think would make everybody's lives easier. Yeah, you know? And then no just the, um, not, or getting rid of the unknowns that are out there, you know, because, you know, I think probably every, all of us have had a contractor come in that's lowballed everybody and we're like, God, oh, this has got to be too good to be true. What's, you know, <laughs> right. you know, then you call the references and of course, you know, everybody picks up, oh yeah, they've been great. They were wonderful work. And, you know, of course the <laughs> they're going to give you your best, you know, their, their best uh, clients for sure. So and then, right. uh, you wore the job to them and they, they either never show up or, you know, they show up and their, their job is, or their work is so shoddy that you end up throwing them out of town. Uh, right you know it's we, we all have experience doing that so that's um, yeah that's that, the that's, unknown is 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 bad yeah that's that's hard to do you know that's one thing i've experienced is working with other cities is throwing them out of town as you just said it's not as easy as it sounds because legally there's so many things that take place right. uh it's almost easier just to let them get the job done from what i understand and just never hire them again to do any more work. Um, mm. But cities don't challenge that. I've I've learned is like they won't go after or sue a contractor unless it's a you know something substantial. It seems like, but it doesn't seem like they'll go after maybe the little stuff unless it's a massive project. Then they'll they'll sue them. But the little things, man, we just kind of let the contractor get away with it, and it's like okay, well you're just never going to work here, and then they go to the next place. Yeah, some sometimes it's 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 cheaper for us, which is a sad thing. It's cheaper for us to, you know, just if, especially if it's a small contract, you know, pay it out, let them complete the work and then even hire somebody else to fix what they did. Yeah. It would be cheaper than going through all the litigation to, to, uh, to get, you know, any kind of um, reparations back from them. You know I mean? We can always, yeah. you know, if, if we require a bond uh, for them, we can always cash their bonds in, but 
you know, sometimes that doesn't cover enough of what, what the product, you know, what the, um, the damage that they've done or, or, or non-work that right. they've done. Um, but you know, a lot of the bigger projects, you know, that are like multi-million dollar projects. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, that's definitely worth spending the money to go after a bad contractor, but, um, but it's definitely not fun and you never get what you are going after anyway. You right. Know, usually you, you'll settle, uh, out of court and, you know, it's usually not for what you were looking for, but it's, you know, instead of making the lawyers rich, you can collect a little bit of money, you know? Yeah. Sometimes, like you said, it's just not worth it. Yeah. I totally get that. Right. And is, is there a way to have, I guess, uh, you know, maybe a better way to qualify some of these guys that, that I, I know you said it, like, you got to check the references and, you know, but they can, I mean, just from my experience of being in construction, like they asked when the government would ask us for our references, I'm like, okay, well, we're filling in all these cities, but technically, I mean, you, are they really actually calling the cities? Could we put in like Jane Smith <laughs> and the number? Like, is it really validated, like verified? Like there's all kinds of ways to, to kind yeah. of look at it. I think that's the, the key word right there is, is verified. Um, yeah. You know, I know a lot of there. There's a lot of contractors out there that are, you know, IDOT approved. Um, that the okay. um, IDOT will have already did the vetting process, and they and they have like their approval letter or whatever from from the state, right? Uh, which is always good. Sometimes, you know, we'll we'll put that in uh, to some of our documents that need to be IDOT approved. Um, but just a general verification. Um, I mean, I think all of us, you know, especially here in the Midwest and the Chicago region, I mean, we pretty much know um, all the big players that are out there for, you know, some of the bigger contractors um, that, that get most of the work in, in the area up here. We all kind of know who they are. You know, it's right. the ones that are maybe come from out of state or are a brand new company. They're trying to break in the, into the industry. Um, those, yeah. yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be great. There's some kind of certification level you know, that they, um, they have, you know, that they can, they can have saying, okay, yeah, this, they are actually who they are. And, you know, they're better, you know, kind of not to bring politics in this, but you know, like the, tw the Twitter, uh, check Mark or whatever that, <laughs> that <laughs> Fair fine. is yeah. good or bad now. I don't know. It's I, right. You know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> something like that. I mean, that's, yeah, uh, would be beneficial just to, to help take some of the legwork off, off of us. How do you, how, you know, kind of going, well, staying with construction and procurement and, and, and now, you know, going into engineering, you guys have your own engineering department, but you work with a lot of engineering firms. And, you know, I've noticed that there's a difference in engineering quality. I mean, let's face it, there really is. Can you speak a little bit on like the different experiences you've had with engineering firms and like, you know, the good and bad kind of uh, part of that? Yeah. So, um, what we do here in Lombard is, you know, we have a, we go through a shortlist um, process. So, uh, every three years or so we, you know, we'll solicit out to engineering firms in the area that are, would be interested in getting in our shortlist so that if we have a project go out, we don't need to do like a full RFQ. We can just go right to our short, excuse me. We can go right to our shortlist and say, mm -hmm. you know, give us a quick presentation that way we already know, um, the engineering firm's qualifications, background, you know, what type of work they can do. And they're already, we already approve them. 
Um, but doing yeah. a shortlist process um, it is very time consuming because we'll, we'll put out a couple projects um, for them to uh, give us a proposal on. And uh, then we just kind of review it and, and, and then we'll choose on who's going to be in our shortlist. So, um, right. you know, I know probably there's probably just about every other municipality out there, you know, is going to be kind of similar that, you know, they have a handful of engineering firms that they like doing work with um, that they've worked for with a long, long time and have good relationship with, um, you know, and with uh, the engineering staff that's on those different firms, you know, we have uh, a lot of experience with. So we kind of tend to stick you know, with some of the bigger, um, bigger ones for our bigger projects. But I know for us, right. you know, we tried to like for some of the smaller projects we have projects that we have. Um, I know that we've, uh, we've tried to solicit some of the smaller engineering firms, um, that may, uh, would be right in their wheelhouse for a, a smaller project. It's a smaller firm, you know, they can kind of devote a little bit more attention to to that instead of, you know, some of these really big engineering firms that would kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Maybe not have yeah. as much of detail for such a small project. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's, a, that's the best way to do it. Just shortlist them, qualify it, and then go from there. Um, do you, and we got a couple minutes left. Uh, do you think that inspection of like infrastructure how often do you think we're actually inspecting infrastructure like bridges and things like that that are important? I know we do sewer inspections and, you know, it's hard to inspect a lot of water main, but I think there's technology out there that's, that's making it easier for us to, you know, figure out where there's going to be water main breaks. But can you elaborate a little bit more on like your inspection processes there to figure out what infrastructure is going to be repaired, replaced in the future? Yeah, we, a handful of years ago, we um, brought in on a uh, asset management software that okay. um, we put all of our assets in. We did a condition assessment with everything, um, and then the as as the years go on in the in the in the management software gets gets built and more robust, um, it builds like a a. Um, uh, uh, it, it can help plan it out when we're, we're going to replace stuff. It'll give us a COI index. And um, we also, for our, all of our uh, streets in town, we did a, like a laser uh, inspection where we drove up and down each street and, and really got a good handle on, on all of our street road, roadway conditions. Nice. Um, that, uh, um, that the, our asset management soft program will, will help us uh, plan for when we're going to do uh do capital projects and infrastructure. Um, and uh, most of our roadway programs are, are based upon um, the utilities underneath, you know, so if we know that a utility right. is bad, then, you know, we may, we'll, we'll coordinate doing the utilities first and the roadway second, because, you know, the worst thing you want to do is pave a road, then the next summer, dig it up. And <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. It's uh, sometimes it happens, a bunch it's, of patches. Uh, unnecessary or unnecessary evil sometimes, but um, right. Try to avoid that at all costs, but um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, we, you know, locally, you can have a a, a much it's a little bit easier locally to do uh, more inspection, um, have a better inspection program. Uh, I know, like nationally or even statewide, it's a little bit more difficult just because there's so much out there. Uh, I think over the past ten years, uh, it's really. Um, the inspection process, I think, is is ramped up quite a bit with some of the failures that have been out there. You know, the bridge collapse in, in um, Twin Cities, I think, Minnesota. 
a few years. They had that year 2005, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of, well, we had the bridge collapse in Pittsburgh right? this year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, things are, you know, things are, bills are coming due that you gotta, you gotta redo some (laughs) of stuff. So, um, yeah, I talk about the infrastructure gap, you know, most cities and you guys seem to be more proactive and having a lot of asset information, which is critical. Uh, but there's a lot of cities that do not have any asset data out there, you know, that they, they can actually put together a planning, you know, financial asset planning, uh, portion to it because they just don't have the data. Right. Uh, so you guys seem to like you're, you've got a lot more, um, insight to what's going to happen in, in Lombard, which is awesome. Uh, and most cities should move to that direction. Um, I was going to ask you if you had the ability to fix one type of infrastructure, what would that be? Like you could replace all of it right now. All of it right now, huh? It's... Can I do everything? <laughs> I just, I got to pick one, huh? You, you could replace the roads, water, sewer, bridges, whatever. Like, is there one that you oh. would like think about that you could replace? Um, and unlimited funds. Unlimited funds, probably, probably on the water side. Okay. Um, you know, especially now with the lead service line replacement, uh, that's that's going to be huge for a lot of a lot of communities. We're relatively lucky here in Lombard that we don't have that many of them. But you know, that's the the closer you get to Chicago, the you know, collar suburbs and uh, around Chicago, the the farther east of you get of say 294, the more lead service lines there are, just because the, the, their communities are older. Right. Um, right. Yeah, and just the the cost to replace all that is is insane, and um, you know, quality water quality. I mean, that's water's life. You know, it's you know, <laughs> yeah, nothing could live without water. So, I mean, that's if you can replace the entire water system, the entire country or world. I mean, that's to ensure good, um, safe drinking water for for everybody. Yeah. I think that's that's probably the number one, and I think sewer is the very close second you know, wastewater, yeah. um, you know, cause there's a lot of bad stuff that, uh, that you can, that can come out of, uh, especially the sanitary sewer, you know, a lot of, a lot of disease, bacteria, things like that. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, nobody wants a sewer backup either. So it's not <laughs> definitely not. Um, but you know, and you know, treating the, the wastewater to get back into, um, our drinking water supply, that's, that's the water cycle, you know? So it's they're, yeah. they're kind of all the same, you know, but right. You know, you they go hand in hand, yeah, really. They, they do. They definitely go hand in hand because I, I and like we talked a little bit a little bit ago. I think, you know, the next you know a couple of decades, we're gonna there's gonna be a lot of water reuse out there and water recycling. That's you know, yeah, you know, a lot of wastewater that's going back into the our drinking water. So it's gonna be crazy to think about that that yeah. was just recycled and it's in your faucet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's it's gonna it, it's bound to happen. I mean, why not if if we can do it supplement a lot of the water that we're using that you know in our aquifers that we can just recycle it and then fill in the from the aquifers as we need yeah. you know because there is going to be evaporation and loss in some places you just that's the way it's going to be yeah and you know you kind of think about it, the the environment's been doing it for millions of years you know before us yeah you know there there's only been a certain amount of water on this planet and uh it's not right. we can't like really make any more and you know, so it's it's been going and going and around in circles for millions of years. And, you know, I read a 
you know, like a fun fact uh, thing about water is that there's a pretty good chance that we're the, some of the water that we drink that maybe a dinosaur drank, you know, a couple hundred million That's years crazy. ago. So it's, yeah, uh, if you think of it that way, it's like, holy crap, it's, it's, you know, we're, water's <laughs> been recycled for, you know, millions of years just through the environment. True. So we just need to speed up the process a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's pretty much the time we have, Brian. I appreciate you joining me. Uh, lots of great, you know, conversations there, and yeah. this is this is a great opportunity. Thank you so much for coming on board. If you uh, kind of want to give, you know, is there a contact? Is there any information you want to promote? Uh, AWA, uh, AWWA with your hockey. Go ahead and uh, let the audience know. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. For. Uh, folks out there, if you're not familiar with AWWA, um, if you work in the water industry, hopefully you do know who that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're not a member already, you know, uh, we're always welcoming and, you know, come on, come on aboard, join, join the Illinois section. We're the fourth largest section in, in the entire, um, in all of AWWA out of all 43 sections. So we're the fourth largest and I think wow. we're the best section out of, you know, out of all of them. So <laughs> There's no bias there at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, we contact us. You go, anybody, if they can always contact me, I'm happy to talk to anybody about, about anything, you know, uh, infrastructure, management, mentoring, you know. Is there a website for, sorry, is there a website for oh, AWWA? Yes. Uh, for the only section, it's isawwa.org. So awesome. isawwa.org. That's for the only section. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, if you have any questions for me, uh, you can always contact me. Uh, my email is uh, jackb at villagelombard.org. You know, you can always always find me there. And, uh, yeah, and look out. I mean, we're if, uh, if people are going to go up to ACE in Toronto, the uh, EWWA National Show up in Toronto, we're going to be having a, um, a charity hockey game up there against the Ontario section. Awesome. So um, a, little, a little scared of those Canadians, but that's great brian well thank you so much man for being on the hot seat podcast this is a great conversation and look forward to our future conversations guys i have a feeling there's a lot more things we could be talking about and thank you so much for being here well thanks for having me chad thank you for listening to the infrastructure hot seat podcast we hope that this show brought you some insight on relevant topics within the infrastructure world Please join us every two weeks on Tuesday for the next episode. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, please set up a 15-minute interview with your host at calendly.com slash chadsmeltzer.